What's going on, everybody? NVIDIA crushed it on earnings today. We'll talk a little bit about why Apple making a move into the healthcare space and GDP. While still positive, revised down, what does that mean for consumers? We'll talk about that and more. We'll also get into the Tasty Trade platform, you know what I'm saying? But in the meantime, welcome to the most dangerous show on the Tasty Life Network. It's Engineering the Trade. I'm Jamal Chandler. Do you ever have those dreams where you're like falling? Like you're falling off a, like a tall building, you know what I'm saying? Some of you may like that. I don't like the idea of falling because I don't really like that, that feeling in the stomach. I think, uh, I think Wesley Snipes' character in Passenger 57 said it best. I, maybe I'm a control freak when it comes to moving and things. I, I got to be driving it as opposed to just being in the passenger seat while somebody else is doing wild stuff. So when I'm falling, I just, my stomach just, I can't stand it. That's why I don't like roller coasters. Oh, I can't stand them. I don't like them. Um, but anyway, back to the dream. When you're just falling and you feel that feeling in your stomach, and then like in a dream when it turns to just flying, you can, you can actually manifest that. You can make it happen. You know, you can turn it around in the dream. I think some people are better than others. Me and my brother used to discuss this when we were kids. He was always really good at turning into whatever dream he wanted to, into reality, like how he wanted to do it. Me, I didn't really feel like I had control over most of my dreams. And every now and again, when I had those rare times where I was in control of a dream, oh man, it makes for a great next day. You know what I'm saying? It does. But when you're not in control of a dream and it just gets the worst of you, it's terrible. Like, for example, and I think many of you know this, when you're a kid and you got to use the bathroom really bad, I mean, you really got to take a waz, right? And so you end up dreaming about it and you're there and you're going and you're like, wait, I'm actually going. Yeah. Funny way to start the show, right? Folks, it's an interesting day in the markets. We've seen them down about 20. We've seen them up about 20. Interesting range. I don't know which one is which one to believe. We were up higher to start the day, right? And it, we faded. I'm actually not surprised that we faded. I'm actually more surprised that we're back uh, up. But basically, we've been doing this dance around 4,000. That's what it boils down to. In the S&P 500, we've been doing a dance around 4,000. Now, I'm not sure if SP, oh, SPX is above 4,000. SPX is above Futures have largely been above, although they've traded lower. Weird markets. Uh, they can't seem to pick a direction. They can't seem to find anything to cling on to. But one of the things that has really outperformed today, obviously, was NVIDIA. Let's pull up some slides and talk about it. NVIDIA crushed it on earnings, man. Um, it's been a stock to watch, as we've talked about a lot on the show. And a large part of the reason why is because it sounds like they've made inroads to replace what has seemingly start to happen with personal computing, a lot of people, you know, people were buying personal computers like crazy, especially over the last three years, as most of the time people were working from home or working from anywhere. And we know that over the last year that has started to change. People weren't buying as many new computers, right? That Obviously, that, that growth has waned. But NVIDIA, of course, I, I, this is like the most perfectly timed earnings period ever. Sounds like they mentioned AI a lot on their call, and they're really putting a lot of force behind having more AI chips. And that seems to be the area of growth for them right now. So they've talked about, they talked about that a lot in their earnings, and that's one of the main reasons why they had a big move on earnings. 
we um that's 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 been a lot of the talk for them over the past month that they're in position to compete as far as AI chips. Who knows how much they built before, but now they're going to throw all their weight behind that, it would seem. And so that's one of the reasons why I made a big boot to the upside. For those who follow the show regularly, I, starting in, in January, as a lot of the news came out about AI and NVIDIA, I said, well, maybe that's true, but if that's the case, then Microsoft should benefit too. And that's why I got a long position in Microsoft. I had a long put spread in NVIDIA. I closed that out about two weeks ago. Mostly because the the I think Nvidia had just moved up. It was probably around 220 and change. Actually, not far from here. I think it's 230 now. But I decided that I didn't want to have the long Nvidia put spread because the position wasn't working at the time, and I wanted to reevaluate what I want to do. Honestly, I want to probably look to get long Nvidia now. Now that Vol has come in, I probably want to get a zebra in Nvidia. I'll see. We'll keep. I'll keep you guys posted. Apple makes progress on a no-prick glucose monitoring for the Apple Watch. Basically, they're looking to get into healthcare. Have you noticed how, when we talk about a lot of these tech companies recently, they're really slowly trying to change either their focus and or add on other area of revenue streams? So, NVIDIA, obviously, personal computing slowing down. Cool. We'll move into AI chips. Apple, you know, a lot of the stuff, I mean, they're not making any new products. When's the last big new product that Apple made? I mean, the iPad is several generations old. iPhone, same deal. I, the watch was probably the last thing. Apple TV, I mean, they talked about that for like 10 years before they actually got it, and they were late to the game on that one. There's really no new stuff, but they can go into new applications, and that's one of the areas it looks like they're going to. And they can try to disrupt areas of certain markets that need tech, and this is definitely one of them. This is definitely one of them, especially for those, um, I don't know, how many, what, is it fair to say millions or, or many more of people who are, who are dealing with uh, diabetes? I mean, this is an interesting thing for people, right? I, I remember when I first saw one of my cousins have to do the pricking stuff. I couldn't believe how, I mean, obviously you get used to it if it's your day in and day out for several years, but we were teenagers at the time. And it was just like, boop, yep, got to check this real quick. You know what I'm saying? Like... That's, that, but it's a thing that people, a lot of people live with. So they, they have the ability to just monitor your, your blood glucose levels based off of like what's going on to watch. That's pretty cool. I think it's pretty cool. So it's a new thing for them that they're probably trying to head into and head into the healthcare industry. We'll have to keep an eye on their progress. It does take a minute. Um, no matter what area of the, the healthcare industry, it's one of the last shady areas of the world that you can go into. Look, there's a lot going on in the healthcare industry, all right? I mean, uh, <laughs> Amazon tried, right? Amazon and, and Warren Buffett and something like, they tried to put together, I don't remember if it was Warren Buffett, but it was Amazon and a bunch of people tried to put together uh, some stuff to sort of infiltrate the healthcare industry from the, the standpoint, I don't even remember all the pieces of it, but they were trying to infiltrate in a couple of different ways. Didn't quite work out. Apple has its work cut out for them, so we'll see. Q4 GDP came in. The, we, why do we watch GDP? The number one reason we watch is because of consumer spending. This basically um, was a little bit of a mixed result because it's still positive. It still grew at 2.7% annual rate GDP, but it was revised down mostly due to consumer spending, even though we saw that retail sales were actually higher more recently. So which is it? Are we not spending that much or are we spending that much? Well, obviously we're spending because... Uh, it still grew, but 
nevertheless, this whole GDP thing, this GDP thing, this yields thing, it's all somehow tied to how we feel about markets currently. And I think markets are clearly currently perfectly priced. And by that, I mean the S&P 500 is sitting around 4,000 and NASDAQ sitting around 12K. And while we did go bump up against the ceiling of that, uh, you know, a couple weeks back, um, I guess it was, it was beginning of the month, right? Around that Fed meeting. We haven't seen those highs since. And you wonder how long it's going to be before we see them again. We'll see. Leftovers. Let's move to the next slide. In which sports do we run the longest distances? Let me know. In the meantime, if you're watching the show on the Tasty Live webpage, Tasty Live app, come to the Tasty Live YouTube page. Ball Club, what's up, money? What's going on? Um, so this is a chart of the average distance run per game in different sports. Soccer makes sense. Seven miles, right? That's why soccer's, soccer people arguably have probably the, the best hearts and the best legs, the quads, all of that comes from all the running seven miles on average per match field hockey 5.6 man that's uh that's meaningful i mean it's similar to soccer although it's field hockey similar to hockey hockey's not up here but again we're talking about running not necessarily skating i know i know all the hockey people are like hey where are we at running using the legs tennis three miles i would have um Nah, I guess I wouldn't have guessed more. I mean, I, I guess that's fair. I mean, if soccer is seven, you figure tennis, uh, I mean, you figure tennis is probably half. So I guess that's, a, that's, that's fairly priced. See, everything's fairly priced. Basketball, two and a half miles up and down the courts, right? Sprinting. Some more than others, probably. How, much, how many miles do you think Steph Curry runs a game? I mean, he moves around a lot, you know? Same thing with, like, Reggie Miller, what he used to do. I mean, moving around a lot, you, you run a whole lot. Ray Allen was the same way. Rip Hamilton, I can go on and on. Mostly shooting guards, though, right? Football, 1.25, one and a quarter. And again, the one and a quarter, obviously, this makes sense for those who don't watch football. For the, um, the wide receivers in the corners run the most. Uh, for those who don't, uh, those are the people on the outside. Like, you know, there's quarterback, right? There's offensive linemen. Those are the people in front of the quarterback. Next to that, usually sounding like a tight end. Outside of that, those are wide receivers. Those people on the outside. You know, you know, the wide receivers and then covering them, playing defense on them are the cornerbacks. So they're the ones who run the most up and down the field. It's because of all of this distance. It's a lot of times why our cornerbacks end up getting defensive penalty calls on them because there's so much running. If you're blocking for so long, they're going to get open. Baseball, very negligible, <laughs> obviously. And the ones who probably run the most are center fielders. So. Yeah, I mean, most of this makes sense, but to put numbers to it is always interesting, right? So you could play tennis and you could play basketball. I guess it's comparable. Um, you know, you, you're, you're probably running similar distances, essentially, right? Uh, if you play basketball, obviously you're doing double what somebody does in football, and that's only for certain positions. Quarterbacks certainly ain't running that much, unless you're Justin Fields, and you're probably running a decent amount. But that's what it is. Let's move to the next slide. Folks, um... We had our worst day of the year so far uh, in, on Tuesday. Other than that, markets have been fairly tame. We haven't had too many big standard deviation moves, right? We've only moved over 2% twice this year alone. You can see the other one was at the beginning of the year. Other than that, it's been fairly quiet in markets. Um, and we need that. 
after what we had last year? My goodness. Wild year. So, yeah, crazy day on Tuesday. But uh, I think for the most part, this is the reason why volatility has been fairly in. VIX is around 21. Sure, it jumped above 22 this week for the first time in, I don't know, must have been like six weeks. But other than that, SPX has been fairly quiet. Um, looks like a little bit. Uh, if I had to guess, I would say these up and down days are fairly equal. But yeah, ugly day on Monday. Outside of that, it's been fairly quiet. Let's move ahead to the next slide. Crude oil volatility in the form of USO. I tell you, it's been quiet. I mean, look how low uh, the realized vol has been. And by realized vol, I mean historical volatility. Same thing. Same thing. For a long time, I actually wasn't sure if those were the same thing. I didn't know. I was like, why do we have different names to them? It's the same thing. Don't worry. Historical volatility, realized vol, fairly low, just around 30, maybe a little bit under. I mean, if you just eyeball this thing, you can see that over time, USO vol is around the 40s. I mean, that's kind of where oil vol typically can be. Uh, and in real crazy times, it gets up to the 70s, as you can see what we had last year during the, the height of that Russia-Ukraine situation. But volatility is fairly low in oil. It really hasn't moved much. And if we, when we'll look at it in the platform. I was talking about this with my friend Chris Vecchio on, on Futures Power Hour. Crude oil vol has been, no, not vol, I'm sorry, the price pricing has been in the about 70 to 82 range. And it, it been more, more accurately, it's been on average probably like 77, 78, the price of, of crude oil. So it really hasn't moved much and since November. And, you know, it's been fairly quiet. And again, I think it's a situation where things are just calming down from last year. Last year was a hell of a year, man. I mean, you really got to look at that and see. It was a hell of a year. And I think things are just really starting to calm down for now, especially towards the end of February here as things wind down, a lot of the big data is out of the way, so on and so forth. But um, really not a whole lot to do in, in, in crude oil volatility right now. And you look at IVRs, I mean, and, and across the crude and, and oil landscape, it's just fairly quiet. So, um, yeah, it's been what it is. Let's move to the next slide. Um... Man, the home builders, I've been looking at these recently. You're seeing all these different headlines. Existing home sales declined for the 12th straight month. U.S. home purchase applications dropped to 28-year low. We know that uh, three years ago, people were flying into houses, right, uh, left and right. Those who've been trying to buy a house, they finally went ahead and did it because rates dropped so low, and it was just the perfect time, right? And everybody refinanced and all these different things that everybody did. And now things have changed. Again, it's it's similar to to uh, what we saw with, with the whole work-from-home situation. It's sort of ebbed and flows with that. Now, that being said, you know, it's not like, these stocks have really sucked recently. I mean, they're still kind of up on the year. And even over the last year, I mean, I think most of them are still up. Look at Toll Brothers, Pulte Homes, KBH, Lennar. And I wanted to throw Home Depot in there, too. Now, Home Depot just fell on hard times, mostly because of what we saw from earnings. But that's a lot of it. it, it this kind of makes the point. Home, they're still building homes. But those who are furnishing those homes, well, how much is that happening now? Probably not as much as it was two years ago, right? People were definitely doing a lot more work on their homes, and we're not seeing that as much. So I don't know. You wonder how much, uh, how much steam it has. I was looking at the idea of, of, of a long Home Depot trade, but you got to wonder if, if that's going to change, at least according to the narrative. I don't know. Uh, 
but people aren't necessarily probably furnishing their homes as much as they were a couple of years ago, but home builders seem to be on decent footing. We'll see. I mean, a lot of the home is home is home builders and home, all these different areas. Are they hitting a bottom at some point? Are we hitting the bottom of all the bad stuff in the housing market just because rates are so high or will this change? I don't know. Guess we'll see. Let's move ahead to the next slide. Earnings. I always forget about this time um, of earnings season because you still have a lot of different names having earnings. It's just kind of quiet now, right? But there's still a lot of different names. All the big ones are out of the way. Now you're just kind of getting a lot of different areas of the market that are having different earnings. We had a bunch today, got a bunch tonight. Uh, quite a few tomorrow morning, but these are the ones that are probably the most interesting. You got Square, Intuit, Beyond Meat, Carvana, obviously, which has been talked about a lot over the last couple of months. Mercado Libre uh, has earnings. Melly, Booking.com, Booking. Yeah, has earnings. Southwestern has earnings. Every time I think of Southwestern, I always think of Chesapeake at the same time. Do you guys remember? Like when Southwestern and Chesapeake were like just those were the only big name, the main big names in the I feel like anyways, the main big names in that whole natural gas and, and production space. And obviously Chesapeake was well known because they had that guy, the um, what was his name? His name was um, Aubrey McClendon, I think his name was. He was the uh, CEO of, of Chesapeake. And then like he drove his truck uh, 100 miles an hour into a building like just called it quits on life it was really rough <laughs> apparently he was doing like some illegal stuff with the company for the longest time i used to i used to i used to be into chesapeake i thought it was a great company that's back when i used to really like certain companies you just latch on to and it's weird anyway wbd has earnings basically it's a streaming company right so this is one of those where you got to watch because i really think the landscape of streaming is going to change i think they know that uh, just look at, I feel like in the past month, like every month they've been changing their content. They got new stuff on the platforms. I feel like that didn't happen as much this past couple of months. I mean, there's this new thing here or there, but why aren't they coming out with more stuff around this time period? It should be for most of the country a, a time where you're watching a lot of shows, the, the winter time period. Didn't seem like they came out with a bunch of new stuff. And WBD is, is, uh, was one of those companies that was really doing well at the beginning of the year, but has, I feel like it's waned more recently, but streaming content, I think, I think streaming companies are about to change to some degree. I think there's going to be some more consolidation in the field as uh, obviously the, the amount of people that watch streaming has calmed down. Yes, Craig G, Aubrey McClendon, it was something else, right? And then EOG, obviously, is the last one, another production company. Initial jobless claims, man. This is one of the things we've been watching, jobless stuff, what's going on with the housing market. Well, initial jobless claims dropped to the lowest level in four weeks. Still relatively not a whole lot of change in the job market and still fairly tight. Why does that matter? Because, well, if it's still fairly tight, it means the Fed can—we're we're, we're that much further away from rates being cut. So I don't think you have to worry about um, you— your your whatever money you got parked away in any treasuries or any CDs changing anytime soon. I think we're going to be, at least for the foreseeable future, probably definitely the rest of this year and maybe now the beginning of 2024. I thought beginning of 2024 would be a time we could cut rates, but until we see some meaningful drops in these inflation measures and you see some changes in the job market, it's still pretty tight. 
it still seems to be fairly easy for people to leave one job and go to another. Not as easy as it was a year or two years ago, but still it's a thing. Until that changes, I think the Fed's going to be able to keep rates up, and that is going to somewhat put a ceiling on markets. Until there's a foreseeable path to cutting rates, markets aren't going really anywhere. Number of S&P 500 stocks above the 50-day moving average. Well, now we're sitting at 260. We dropped a bunch on Tuesday. So now we're about halfway. And I think that seems appropriate. Let's move to the platform. Let's take a look. Um, you know, when you look at I when you look at vol, uh, the IV over here, you know, you never really take this for face value for vol. I mean, this is, you know, especially at this point in the day, this thing is saying that this is put call parity, plain and simple. 499, right? That means this is probably about worth a dollar. It's got 20 cents of volatility. It's one way to look at it, right? This is the 400 strike. We're over that strike by 90 cents right now, as you can see, right? When you look at where, where SPY is trading, or let's look at the bid and the ask, where SPY is actually trading, 40, 495 versus the 400 strike. These are the calls. So these are in the money at the moment, 73 delta, according to this. 73% chance that this is going to end up in the money. So... Oh, and it just flipped, dropped down. And these are out of the money. This is not fall. This is just put call parity. These 401 strike, 50 cents, pure volatility, folks, pure volatility. There's no guarantee this is going to finish the money. Matter of fact, it says 48 delta, but there's really no guarantee. So we don't care about that. This 36 IV doesn't mean anything. 22 IV kind of means something. This is the real IVs right here. Next Monday, 15, 16, 17, 17. Little bump at 18 where we're gonna have the jobs report for February. Um, that's about it. And with that, it's pricing. Let's go to the 401 line. This is pricing $9.15. This is on the week, of course, for the week. It's a um, probably a 2% move for the week, up or down in either direction. Could be range too. Who knows? Point is, not a whole lot expected next week, so should be fairly quiet. As a matter of fact, not expecting much for a while here. It's going to be quiet. It's going to be real quiet. March 17th, this is going to be a good week. Do you want to know why? Well, because the NCAA basketball tournament is going to start during this week. That's what this is going to be interesting about. And that's exactly why we have this volatility. I'm just kidding. There's no volatility in the markets around. Matter of fact, if there's any volatility, it's low. Markets rarely move um, around that time of the, the tournament. I mean, I remember times where basically trading kind of slows down because traders are watching the tournament. They're not watching markets unless something existential is happening, which I don't plan on that being the case. It's going to be fairly quiet. Let's take a look at some earnings. Before I do, let me look at this question I got here. I'm a Mile High Maniac 100. What's up, man? Hey, I have a March 17th Iron Condor in NVIDIA, 180, 185. All right, let's take a look at your NVIDIA. March 17th, you got the 180, 180, what, what do you got? Uh, $5 wide, 180, 185. Okay, I see you. I already kind of know where this is going, but I'm going to price that anyway just so people can see it. I'm guessing you were short, and you have the, what, 225, 230, which is obviously in the money. Um, whoops, 225, 230, right? That's your situation there. 
$3.30 on a $5 wide iron condor. To the money, on the call side, obviously, should I roll up the put side or close out the trade? I sold it for about $2.45. Well, my friend, I don't really want to tell you what to do, but um, all depends on how you... You could look at this a couple of ways. It depends on how you really feel about NVIDIA. If you feel the stock is going to continue to go up based off of this momentum trade and, and, um, and, and AI right now and what's happening. You know, one of the things that we often talk about, you could just roll this down, right? You could easily move your whole situation further down a lot closer. Um, I... I've, I've done multiple things. I've, I've done times where I just roll this down, even though this thing is deep in the money. It is 21 days out. Here's the thing. You don't have much time here. You could, you could just sort of try this and see if it works, and maybe stocks fall back down, and maybe NVIDIA falls back down, and that's basically what you're hoping for, and you're trying to get a little bit more credit until expiration comes, which, you know, at this point, there's a 60-plus delta that both of these have here. Or you could just close it and move on to the next thing. If you see something more that you want to trade out, right? I mean, that's there's really not a whole lot you can do in this situation. It's it's all about how I think a lot of times it's all about how you interpret trades and how you feel about it. Sometimes seeing this thing day in and day out and hoping for it to fall back down is a little bit mentally debilitating. You don't feel like dealing with that. So you just close out the trade in your case. You take the hundred dollar loss and you move on or you just roll it down and you wait or you could just leave it. Right. Like you could just leave the strikes that you had on where it was and you don't necessarily move it rolling doesn't necessarily always preclude the fact that you're going to win on the trade so you could just leave it where you were and just say i'm going to wait this thing out and see if it fades back down there's a couple of different ways you can do it. i don't want to tell you exactly what to do but uh yeah as a matter of fact george b is saying it himself you you do have time on this thing um at this point you're not rolling to 2020 20, uh you're not rolling it out, right? Like you're just going to hold on to the trade. I wouldn't necessarily look to roll the same strikes in February, and I wouldn't necessarily open a new position because now IV is fairly low, especially after earnings. So I don't think you want to do that neither. So you got a couple of different options, and I'll leave it up to you. You can leave it where it is and hope that maybe it fades back down below strike. Um, again, it's only – it's – it's uh, well, you also need to know your, your break-evens, right? In this case, you did it for – what would you say? Uh, 245 so I mean obviously you're above that uh, your break even here is 227.45 which still is a solid nine dollars above so it's really not a whole lot you can do leave it roll strikes if you want but roll strikes it doesn't necessarily always mean you're going to win but you know it's, it's your decision see what you come up with the best one as far as earnings I'm not trading any but uh, I would um, out of these I imagine there's going to be some squeezy type nature and be on meat for earnings, possibly. Maybe also with Carvana. I don't necessarily imagine these guys are going to say anything really interesting. So um, Square is probably the most interesting earnings of all of these tonight. And it already has a low IVR. It is what it is. Folks, that's all I got for you today. Thanks for watching. And as always, be smart, be patient, trade them small, trade them often. I'll see you guys later. The content of this podcast is created, produced, and provided solely by Tasty Life Inc. and does not represent the direct views or opinions of any of its affiliated companies.
This content is for informational and educational purposes only. It is not, nor is it intended to be trading or investment advice or a recommendation that any security, futures contract, digital asset, other product, transaction, or investment strategy is suitable for any person. Trading securities, futures products, and digital assets involve risk and may result in a loss greater than the original amount invested. Tasty Live Inc., through its content, financial programming, or otherwise, does not provide investment or financial advice or make investment recommendations. The information provided may not be appropriate for all investors and is provided without respect to individual investor financial sophistication, financial situation, investing time horizon, or risk tolerance. Tasty Live Inc. is not a licensed financial advisor, registered investment advisor, or registered broker-dealer.